Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Cape Sports Now, the Cape Cod Times' only all-sports uh, podcast. My name is Steve Dedere, and I'm alongside Matt Goisman. Matt, hope you had a good holiday. You too. <laughs> I'm back and back in business here mm-hmm. as uh, we break down some of the sports we got going on during winter break. You know, school's not in session, but we still got a whole lot of games happening this week as teams start to kind of form their identities in the early part of the season. Yeah, this is really when you want to start building some momentum. You know, there is this weird break in the winter season that you don't really get with any with spring or fall. You want to be playing well in 2018, but you also don't want to then stagnate this week when you won't have class. Your games are going to be at different times than you're used to. You might be doing more traveling than you normally would because you can afford to. Uh, So this is kind of when you start to really form a core identity and you get to really drill down on some of the stuff that maybe cropped up during the first couple of weeks of the season that you couldn't work on because if you're playing three games a week, that doesn't give you a lot of opportunities to practice the specific things that you know are cropping up as things you need to work on. So this gives you a chance to really fix that. Right, absolutely. And it's tough because we have a bunch of teams that are in action today on Wednesday and you know, the day after Christmas, you know, there's probably a lot of people who are still stuff from yesterday <laughs> to go right bit, back yeah. out there and play. <laughs> so uh, it's not an easy day to play, but certainly got to get back into it sooner or later and that's just kind of the commitment these athletes make but uh so far if we want to start with boys basketball three teams that are undefeated out of the yeah. gate cape cod academy at five and oh nos at four and oh and dy three and oh and i think with cape cod academy you know the reason why we talk about them so much is just because there's been such an up and down program in yeah. the past years you really don't know who you're going to get year in and year out but mm-hmm. this seems to be one of the best teams they've had in quite some time racing out to a five and oh start yeah i think this is a team back to that harkens back to like the early 2010s when they were really competing for Cape and Islands League titles and things like that. You know, the big pickup, we talked about him last week, was Alex Marchant. He was, and then complimenting kind of Jane Greenleaf, who was really good last year as an eighth grader. And and this year he's been pretty much just as strong. And he's actually moved ahead now, Greenleaf has, as the scoring leader. You know, he has uh, had back-to-back games where he scored 20 points or more. That put him up over 90 points in five games. That's 18 points per game. So he's actually jumped ahead of Marchant, who is by no means like trailing. He has 86 points in five games. So it's basically their neck and neck for the team lead. I think they're really emerging as a, a real contender to win the Cape and Islands League this year. A lot of the teams that they've beaten so far are league teams or other Division Four teams that they might see in the playoffs. You know, I don't think it's too early to start wondering exactly what kind of seed they're going to get. There's five wins is basically half of what you need to make the playoffs, and they've got all of 2019 basically left to do it. Um, you know, we'll see what seed they can get. I'm curious to see if A.J. Lusty and Andrew James can also continue to produce the way they have for the Seahawks, uh, but they'll get another league test uh, on January 8 when their season resumes. That's at home uh, against St. John Paul the second. Yeah, the one thing with uh, Cape Cod Academy is you always have to look at Division Four South as a whole. Yeah. And when you start running into the Cohasses or even if oh, Nashby yeah. can somehow make a run, and those are teams that could you know end your season really quickly. I'd really like to see how Cape Cod Academy would stack up against a team like Mashby, especially right. led by Devon Ford. I know they're kind of rebuilding in a sense, but Devon Ford is one of the best players in the region, and I'd really be interested. I don't think they're on the schedule this year. Uh, Cape, Cape Cod Academy plays mostly a uh, yeah. Cape the Cape Islands, Islands League is so big it, it tends to chew up. Right. most if not all of a team's schedule. Right, but um, um, definitely I would love to see how those teams match up and maybe you end up seeing that 
playoff matchup play out depending on how these teams finish out their regular season definitely and then if they do make the playoffs they're going to have to play with teams like cathedral and right. old call you know teams that probably have a still have the advantage right. but you know they got to get there first i think if they can win the cape and islands that anything that happens after that would be you know gravy great, yeah pretty much <laughs> um possibly like they had on their dinner yesterday. I don't yeah, know. there you go. I'm celebrating Christmas. I don't know what people there eat. There you go. <laughs> um, anyway, so we'll turn it over from a 5-0 and team to a 4-0 and team, and that's Nosset. Um, you know, Bourne isn't quite what it was a couple of years ago, but Nosset beating Bourne was still a pretty good, good indicator for the Warriors. We're still seeing really good play from Bobby Joy. He's just had a really, really strong uh, year, you know, after coming off a great season as quarterback for the Warriors leading them to like a chowder bowl win. And uh, he's up to score. He's scored 78 points in four games. So that's 19.5 per game. That's almost 20 points. And then you're still getting double digit nights on average from Abdel Talabi, another player who's coming off a really good fall, obviously an all American with the state champions soccer team. Uh, but the guy who's really continue, uh, come on strong in the last couple of games, I think is Henry Blanchard. Uh, he had 15 points against Bourne, 17, including four, three points three-pointers against Wareham. You add that to some smaller contributions from guys like Spencer Jones. This is a Warriors squad that's playing really well to start the season, uh, but I think the challenge is going to come when they start getting into the Atlantic Coast League portion of their schedule. This week they've got Norton and Nantucket, but on January 8th they host Marshfield, then they're at Falmouth on the 11th, and then they host DY on the 15th. That stretch of basically eight days that's when we're really going to see who's the best in the ACL I think yeah I think Nasset their thing is they just have to prove that they can play at a fast pace like they want to yeah. week in and week out and they're also it seems like they're going to be really dependent on hitting shots on the outside mm-hmm. so if you have a you know a bad night especially against a league team that could go the other way so right. you just got to hope that they, they keep that balance in their offense because again you don't have Charlie Campbell anymore and then Joy is certainly stepped up and sort mm-hmm. of in that place maybe not at that exact level is not going to be the score record score or anything like right. that but again I, I think this is a balanced team it's just a matter of can they bring that every night definitely and i feel like once in a while they're going to have an off night and they're going to lose a game maybe they should have won but so far it's so good you know with yeah. this group you know we mentioned i mentioned dy on the 15th i think that's going to be a really interesting game to see uh, so dy is three and oh you know in their last game against monomoy Logan Grosek really didn't dominate. He scored seven, which was actually the difference in the game. Uh, DY won 59-52, but he's still averaging almost 16 points per game. Um, and it was nice to see the Dolphins step up and win with some of their other players really stepping up. You know, Jaquan Phillips has had three straight double-digit games to open the season. Alex Stowe scored 11 uh, for the Dolphins. You know, they take on Wellesley uh, in the Rockland tournament on Thursday. Uh, Wellesley Raiders are also 3-0. They are. They made the playoffs last year in the Division One, so this should be a good test for DY against a team that's got a better pedigree, I think, than Monomoy. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to look too much into the Monomoy game. I mean, Monomoy's mo is their defense. Yeah. I, I mean, they might not put up a lot of points, but they're going to try to win games with the lowest score as possible, almost right. like kind of Virginia men's basketball style. Yep. Um. So I mean, and they did that against Barnstable. They came down to the wire with a one yeah. point win for Barnstable. So. I don't think you discredit DUI too much. It just might have been not their best shooting night against a team that plays really tough defense. But I, I think Rosick is, is going to be a really tremendous player this year. And I do too. I, I think you're going to see some real big games, and this was just a small hiccup, if that. Well, I think Monomoy uh, focused on Grosick. I think they double-teamed him. They tried to push him out of the paint as much as they could. 
So, you know, you kind of pick your poison, and D.Y. was still able to score 59 points, which is pretty good. And they gave up 52, which is a little bit higher than probably they'd want. But, you know, it was still a good win, and it's maybe a learning experience for Grosek how to deal with teams whose defense, like, bears down on you personally. Uh, the last boys team I wanted to talk about is Barnstable, uh, who are 3-1. and one. They have really turned it around since losing to D.Y. in their uh, season opener. Kyle Ruggieri is kind of a newcomer this year. I think he missed a lot of last winter sort of with some illness and stuff, but he's averaged 12.8 points per game. He's hit double digits three times in four games. You're also seeing some big performances from Alex Woolery, Jadaro France, Joe Yelmokas, uh, who's coming off a real nice uh, football season with them as well. Actually, so, so did France for that matter. Uh, you know, a good combination of forwards and guards for the Red Raiders. The key for them, I think, moving forward, there were quite a few games last year where they got into foul trouble because they, they play a very physical style of defense. And then come the fourth quarter, they are either having guys foul out or having to sit for a long period of time in the hopes to not foul out too early. If they can avoid that situation, I think that's going to be the difference between uh, this year making the playoffs, uh, which I think they're very capable of doing, and last year when they, they missed it. See, I actually disagree. I, I haven't really seen this team show me anything. Yet. Yeah, they, they have two wins over Holbrook, and the other one's against Monomoy, right? Yep. These are teams that they should have beat, and they did. Yeah. To their credit, you got to win the games that are on your schedule. But I think now, as you see, they're going to play Marshall on Friday. This is the meat of their schedule. This yeah. is where they show who they really are, I think. And they're going to have to uh, really steal some, some games this year, especially going up against league opponents. Um, and well, then plus the teams like Brockton, for example. Absolutely. Um, Bridgewater is always a great team year in and year out. So, again, this team's got a long way to go, and I actually think this is kind of a bridge year, maybe for the future. They got some younger guys coming mm-hmm. up, from what I hear, and you know, we'll we'll see what happens, see how this season plays out. But I mean, you only need ten to get in, right? Because I believe they play twenty games. Yeah, nine or ten, it depends. But... Right. So, about almost thirty uh, percent of the way there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we'll uh, transition over to girls basketball. Uh, certainly, Mashby a tremendous start for the Falcons, six and zero. Couple of South Shore League wins early on, some close games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Hull and Carver were both challenges for them. Right, That's Carver good. went down the stretch, so good to see it. You know, a, a team like that where in years past they might not have pulled out a clutch situation like mm-hmm. that, really be able to finish strongly and um, you know hit their free throws down the stretch. And and that's something honestly when watching girls basketball this year, free throws are really key. A lot of coaches play a full-court press. They're going to foul a lot. You're going to have teams in the bonus for a lot of the first and second half. Mm-hmm. you got to hit your free throws when you know you get that opportunity because I've seen a lot of teams so far this year leave a lot of points on the board, or a lot of points you know left on the court that they could have otherwise scored by not hitting their free throws. Absolutely. So I, I think one team, Mashby, for example, and you'll, we'll talk about Nasa maybe in a little bit too, they hit their free throws on the whole. No mm-hmm. one's perfect, but, you know, um, and that's going to be the real difference. So Ashley Kelleher for this B team, she's obviously been their best offensive player. She's averaging 16 points a game, usually hits a few shots from the outside, which yep. is also a huge factor. Mm-hmm. And then Amaya Peters, you know, young player, very quick, good on defense. She's also averaging about 12 points a game. So definitely a team that's well on their way to a, a postseason spot. It's just a matter of almost like Cape Cod Academy. Yeah. Can they maintain that, you know, throughout the year? And again, you know, when they get into the playoffs, and I th- I'm pretty confident they will, who are they going to wind up playing and how are they going to stack up against mm-hmm. off-cape teams? Again, they could wind, you know, could they beat Cathedral? I, I don't know if I'm willing to say that, but, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, they're a big test, a great game possibly for them is Thursday when they host the Holidays are for Everyone tournament, which is this three-team, three-day tournament. They've got Sturgis East on Thursday. Sturgis East is 4-1, and one, very much looking like the front runner maybe to win the Cape and Islands this year. You know, they beat St. John Paul the second on Friday. Uh, that was the first time that had ever happened uh, for girls basketball. Ava uh, Dowick is still really, really dominant for the Storm. She's averaging, uh, she scored 20 points in that game against SJP, and she's up to 15.2 points per game. She has a real nice ability to both drive to the hoop and pull up for shots when she has to. We've had back-to-back 13-point games from Madeline Tucker, um, so now she's up over 10 points per game. Sturgis is also a pretty solid defensive team. I, I've seen them play some very good full-court press. You know, you have very speedy guards like Destiny Caldwell helping out there. Uh, so this is a Storm team that's been pretty solid so far, and they've looked solid against the teams they're going to have to beat to get into to win the, the league. I mean, Sturgis, I really think, should be undefeated right now. They didn't have sure. Caldwell against Falmouth Academy, and that was a big detriment to them. Um, and, you know, it's tough. It happens around this time of year. You know, things happen, but... Mm-hmm. This is going to be a great matchup uh, Thursday, so tomorrow, for, as we're speaking now. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if you, you've done a little bit about this tournament, too, that they're playing in as well. I don't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, so it's called – they're collect. it's a donations. Um, instead of a gate fee, well, you can pay the, the gate, the ticket price, which I think is $5 per person, or you can bring a an unwrapped gift and then – Whatever is collected, the teams have also been doing some some donation solicitations on their own. Uh, is going to be donated through uh, the various high schools uh, to local families in need. Sturgis East and Matchpee are definitely participating. I've heard conflicting reports about whether or not Wareham, which is going to host the Friday and Saturday night games of this tournament, what they're exactly going to do with their gates. So. The tournament will be two days at their place, but I'm not sure exactly how much they're they're actually going to be doing this tournament. Mm-hmm. But Thursday night's game is definitely a donation game. So if you want to help some kids in the area that didn't get much of a Christmas yesterday, this is a nice way to do it, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. And we've seen Sturgis East do some nice kind of philanthropic stuff over the years. Yeah. I think a couple of years ago I wrote a story about how they used one of their games to raise money for building houses in Haiti. So it's nice to see, especially around this time of year, you know, some of these games that might not get attention otherwise mm-hmm. just go into a nice cause and, We've had some Toys um, yeah. for Tots games yep. already. I think in both, I think hockey too. They, a couple of teams have, I think maybe DY has done that. You know, Sturgis East and West, they usually uh, devote one of their East-West games to a cancer fundraiser, the Coaches versus Cancer Night, which I've been to once, which the HYCC was rocking for that. So yeah. that's always a fun time. Um, but yeah, they lot, you know, we saw Nosset girls soccer in the fall. Every every game they raised money for one cause or another. So. Right. Um, cool. Yeah. So um, before we get into hockey, just wanted to mention real quickly. So for 2018, we're going to have our year-ended stories coming mm-hmm. out this weekend. Um, we were thinking about maybe recapping on the show, but we figured we It'll don't want to spoil anything too. Right. <laughs> we don't want to spoil anything for you. Obviously, we had four state championship teams throughout the year. Those will be among the things we discussed. But we also had plenty of individual accomplishments. Mm-hmm. I know Matt, you're working on a list of about you know. 10 athletes. About, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the two stories we're kind of thinking, we're going to have one on kind of the biggest moments of the year. And the other is going to be on kind of the, the players we think really stood out as individuals. A lot of times you can't win as an individual. You need your whole team. We get that, but still every so often you get somebody who just so stands out that they got to be recognized on their own. So 
we should have both of those in the coming week. We're not sure exactly what days yet, but definitely keep an eye out for both of those. And we'll probably talk about them a little bit on next week's show, which will also be next, uh, probably next Wednesday. Right. And always follow our Twitter accounts. Um, Sports CCT. Yep. yep. So, yeah, turning over to hockey real quickly. So we're going to talk about Falmouth for one. Uh, 3-0 start. Mm-hmm. We had a really big statement win with a 3 nothing win over Wellesley. Yeah, that was huge. You know, a team that tied um, 2-2 last year. Coach Paul Moore said it was the most complete 45 minutes he's not only seen this year, but even the year before. Mm-hmm. And that's saying something considering Falmouth is coming off an Atlantic Coast League title, yep. you know, the year before. So Kevin Duart was outstanding, 19 saves. Defense with Robbie Curtis and Kyle Gonzalez especially really kept a lot in front of them and really led the defense to a shutout. Mm-hmm. Really impressed, though, with Stone Devlin. We talked a little bit about him in, in the first show. Just kind of that bit of an undersized, but really quick and effective player. And he was on the penalty kill. I ended up having two shorthanded goals in that game. Mm-hmm. Ended up giving Falmouth with that cushion. So um, great look for the sophomore so far. He's really continuing to prove his worth on the ice. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a lower-line um, centerman, I believe, last year. And they're kind of moving him up with some of the top players. Um and really performing nicely. Um, follow that up with a three nothing win with a four one win over Brockton, and you know Falmouth is looking strong. You know they're gonna have a you know a nice little test this weekend. Um, starting tomorrow, they're gonna host Archbishop Williams five p.m. Thursday, and that's in the Ray Kenny Christmas Classic. And then they're gonna play Westford Academy at five thirty p.m. Friday. That's all um, at Falmouth Ice Arena for yep, people I'll, who don't know. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Archbishop Williams, they lost to Falmouth um, last year, but it was five three, relatively close game. It's a team that can battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and they play a tough schedule. And honestly, oh, yeah. in boys hockey, there really are no wins. I mean, even Brockton team that's kind of struggled to kind of build numbers over the year. 4-1, I mean, that's that's closer than I think you and I were probably expecting in that mm-hmm. game. Um, it's on an easy time of year for Falmouth, obviously. About the two-year anniversary, it was obviously some mourning in Falmouth for the loss of James Levin and Owen Higgins. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think, yeah, as each year goes on, I think this team continues to heal more and more. Definitely. And it's becoming less about that, more of just being a family, I think, again, with the team and the guys in the locker room they have now. Mm-hmm. Um, just a quick note on Westford Academy. They have 11 returning seniors, and they're going to be motivated. They're trying to make the postseason for the first time since 2014. So mm-hmm. uh, Falmouth definitely um, going to have to battle in these two games. But if they, if they do what they have to do, it should be 5-0. and And then they play New Year's Eve and could be 6-0 and heading into 2019. Meanwhile, Upper Cape could very easily be 6-1. and one. Their two games this week are, are very winnable. They've got South Shore Evoke today at 4.30. I'll be at that game, so come say hi if you want. <laughs> uh, and then they've got Diamond at 8.30 on Saturday. Those games are both at uh, Gallo Ice Arena uh, in Bourne. Those teams are combined 2-6. and six. Upper Cape 4-1. and one. They've got 29 goals through five games, which you know is almost six per game. It's Hard to lose a hockey game when you score six goals. Right. You know, they did lose to Southeastern 4-0, um, which to Southeastern, who've dominated a lot oh, yeah. th- uh, to start <laughs> this season. But then they uh, came back from down 3-0 to beat Sacred Heart 7-4. You know, you're seeing really good games from Joey McArdle, Josh Winarski, and Kevin Flynn. They're all keeping Upper Cape on pace. Uh, this is a team that could score 100 goals in 20 games. I mean, that. Mm-hmm be a darn good season for them yeah absolutely and it's not all about that obviously i think the defense has to pick it up a little bit you can't have these high scoring games all yeah. year but certainly that offense has done a good job sort of bailing them out and um like you said they have two two games they should win today you know south shore Volk and diamond combined for two six record mm-hmm. both these games are at home at gals so yep. you're on familiar ice you get to six and one you're really starting to look towards doing something and then i believe they have a game against mashby monomoy early in the new year i mm-hmm. think that'll be their first 
really true test to see where they stack up among some of the better teams in that lower division of boys hockey. Mm-hmm. So, um, got a couple of big games this weekend. You know, we talked about tournaments. Yep. Uh, St. John Paul's is going to host its JP2 Hockey Classic. Um, they're going to play Sacred Heart at 7 p.m. Friday at High Institute Community Center, and then Saturday afternoon they're going to play either Cohasset or Foxborough, who plays in the other game. Right. That's a semi. That'd be a semifinal, obviously. Friday's final Saturday. Not quite sure on the times yet for Saturday, but it's still going to be a long weekend because then they got to go play <laughs> Boston Latin at 2 p.m. Yeah, that, Sunday. That's intense. <laughs> All these games are at home though, so I, again, I think the Lions uh, they've rest, got to rest up a little bit during this time, mm-hmm. especially during the holidays. But they've looked really strong so far, especially on defense, and really kind of starts with their goalie, Henry Klims, a senior captain. You know, Coach Chris Kennis's first year, but said he almost trusts him like another coach out there. Mm-hmm. And when you can have somebody like that who can really bounce ideas off of and have that senior leadership, that's huge for any locker room. And you can see it on the statue. You know, only three goals allowed this year mm-hmm. um, in 16 scored. So it's, you know, it's going to be a tough stretch playing three games like this, but um, really good test to see where they stand again in that kind of Division Three area. Mm-hmm. And then uh, another game interesting real quickly is Nuss. It's going to host Ton at 6 p.m. Saturday. Uh, Ton eliminated Nuss from the playoffs last year. Game I believe you covered I last year. I did cover year. that game. So 4-3 overtime loss, really upsetting for Nuss. Yeah, because so, they had a lead in that one, and they gave it away late. Yep. I mean, um, It's going to be tough for Nuss. They, they played one nothing, played to a one nothing loss to Oliver Reams at home this past Saturday. But, you know, they get another chance to settle the score and uh, – We'll, we'll see how they if Nasa can get back on track because they've had a little bit of a shaky 2-3 start, mm-hmm. and that's a team I think does have some potential to, to really do something this year. Definitely. Does it seem like Oliver Ames is kind of quietly becoming a nemesis for Nasa just in general? That I mean, they've been there. They knocked them out of the playoffs in boys' soccer last year. I feel like more often than not a big loss, Oliver Ames is at the other end of it, just mm-hmm. sort of weirdly coincidentally. Yeah, no, it's interesting, and you always kind of find those. <laughs> you kind of find those things pop up now and now and then, especially when you get into the MIA tournament. Sure, you know you have common teams that you see over again. I'm trying to think of Falmouth. They had a nemesis way back ago. I know it was Marshfield sort of had that kind of thing, even though they're well, league yeah. rivals. Mm-hmm. But then even when they meet in the playoffs, you know, you have some really good matchups. But uh, anyway, turning over to girls hockey, uh, DY girls continuing to roll four zero. Nice three two win over King Philip uh, this past weekend. Caleb McGaffigan scored twice in the second, but the big thing with DY this year, Coach John Shaw is really talking up his defense, mm-hmm. and I think he realized that look, the McGaffigans—they're going to do their thing. They're going to be—they're going to know Kayla where Ava, each other yeah. are on the ice, and it's just going to come down to um, if that defense can make these leads. Hopefully, that they can get every game, night in and night out, stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a big credit to you know Phoebe and Chase Holmes, who both Lily Holmes. What did I say, Chase? Well, Chase also is about well, Lily Holmes is what I meant to say starting on that defense. and um, But there's other young guys, Amelia Vieira, um, Maddie Ferrillo, and uh, Caitlin Walsh. Mm-hmm. All young players, I believe two of them are freshmen, then Walsh is a sophomore, right. have, have done a good job stepping up for a DY team that does not have a lot of depth. And, and again, it's going to rely on, I think, defense to kind of uh, beat some of these higher echelon teams, mm-hmm. especially ones that are going to be focusing on shutting down Kayla and Ava McGaffigan. So um, we'll see how they respond this weekend. Uh, 5 p.m. Saturday or 4 p.m. Saturday, they're going to host Norwell. Yep. Norwell's a team that has a lot of experience coming back. Just graduated three p- players from last year's team. It's won a pair of playoff games, made it to the same spot that DY did. So, um, yeah, they got eliminated by eventual state champion Wellesley. So it's not a team that's going to be easily dispatched this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting tonight, we have the uh, Gormley Cup. So, um, 
that's going to start at 6 p.m. tonight. Pembroke plays Plymouth in the semifinals. And in the other semifinal, we get a uh, bit of an early preview of the Canal Cup as we got BMW and BMW slash Old Rochester versus Sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 8 p.m. tonight. And then the uh, semi or the finals are going to be uh, Saturday, 5 p.m. is a consolation. And then 6.40 is the final. Yep. Um, last year, an interesting tournament. It was the first year that Gormley had added the girls' tournament. And that actually went before Christmas this year. They kind of flip-flopped. The boys' mm-hmm. tournament was before. Um, BMW won the first annual uh, tournament last year. Um, had a couple players back from this team. But really interesting to see how this matchup shapes out. You know, BMW's 2-0-2 two, two, oh, two this year. They tied Norwell, a team I just talked about, 2-2. Uh, two two. But I'm really impressed with Sandwich. You know, they're 1-3, but... They went on the road and really almost knocked off Barnstable, which would have been a seismic oh, upset yeah, that would have been huge. considering what Sandwich is going through. They lost that game 7-5, but I think you have to put a little bit of context to the fact that they had to call up their field hockey goalie, Sarah Curry, to play <laughs> because Sophie uh, Vasilio was sick and was unable to play that game. And Curry's filled in nicely, but it's not her natural sport. So mm-hmm. um, definitely a bit of a... You know, uh, disadvantage there. But Sandwich had a 5-3 lead in that game. You know, freshman Paige Hawkins and sophomore Warwick Ivory each had two goals. Kylie Holt, a junior, is a good impact player on that team. So don't count out Sandwich just yet. I, I think Sandwich can roll off a few wins here and uh, make things interesting. All right. Well, we'll see what happens in, in the Gormley Cup. Um, glance briefly at uh, the other couple sports, a couple other sports before we wrap it up. Uh, in wrestling, uh, Joe Molina is really well uh wrestling really well for Barnstable. He had five wins by pin uh at 160 pounds in the Marchfield uh, quad meet, including one where he, he won in just like 38 seconds. So mm-hmm. he basically just overpowered the guy and put him on the mat. Uh for Sandwich, you've got Connor and Kevin Keegan. Uh they had three wins each during the quad meet in Brockton. Connor's at 120 pounds, Keegan's at 132. Uh this week starting tomorrow we've got the two day Marshfield holiday tournament. There's like 40 teams in that. So if you can even finish just in the top three, that's a huge achievement. Paul Cody from Sandwich, he was third last year, and he wound up winning the uh, D3 South title in his weight class. So right. uh, big, big test for uh, the local wrestling teams. Yeah, I mean, there's no guarantee. Just because you do well in one tournament means you're going to do well in sectionals. Obviously, people no, make obviously adjustments. Not. But it, certainly in years past, it's been a good indicator, and this is one of the biggest tournaments coaches will say really is almost kind of like a pre-sectional meet. It has mm-hmm. it has some teams from Rhode Island, teams that you're not going to see unless you make it to New England, yep. but certainly brings out a great field, and uh, teams we're going to see again when they all come back to Sandwich for the holiday tournament, which usually happens around the third weekend of January. Yeah, the yeah the Cape Cod Classic. Cape Cod right? Classic, yep. yep. So I um, wanted to hop over to track real quickly, too. I mean, unbelievably impressed by a couple of high jumpers, Nasus Matt Cahill and Masterpiece Cam Cargo. Both guys cleared six foot seven in the high jump last week, which is like beyond like the college level success. Yeah. It's really incredible to see not just one, but two of these guys um, continue to break their own school records and just keep adding to them. Six seven is what was the winning height in the outdoor high jump at New England's last year. Mm-hmm. You know, Kurgo. I remember when I was talking to uh, Mashby's track coach, Mark Doucette, about him for, for a feature that we had on him in the fall. You know, Doucette said that Kurgo probably, if he'd been able to win New England's last year, would have gotten tons of offers to, you know, do college track, which is probably his better path if he wants to play in something in college. I think it, he'll have an easier time finding a track team that wants him than a football team, um, just because he's not 
maybe not quite tall enough to be a college football wide receiver. Um, you know, but placing second, which is he, all right. So let me restart that. Kurgo also jumped six seven at New England. About the top six guys all did, and just because of he had a slightly harder time doing it than the guy who won, he lost the tiebreaker. That's how high jump is decided. Uh, so if he can keep improving, if he can do six seven now and build on that further, he really has a chance to to win a state or New England title either this season or in the spring. Uh, and then I really think he will get some opportunities to to jump in college. And just to put it in perspective, you know, when I ran college track, I mean, we'd do some meets at Cornell, and then be guys from Cornell clearing like seven feet, and that'd right. be winning meets. So, I mean, put it in perspective, you had a high school senior. Was, I mean, five inches is a lot when you get to that point in high jump, obviously, but at the same time, certainly there's, the potential is there. And when you, and when you talk about Kurgo especially, definitely long-term health-wise. I'm mm-hmm. sure if the high jump option is, is feasible, oh, he- <laughs> he'll do it. <laughs> uh, yes, most definitely. Great. So I think I'll just about wrap it up for this show. Um, mm-hmm. If you missed any of this, you can go to our Facebook page, Cape, um, CapeCodTimes.com slash CapeSportsNow. Um, you can also visit our Facebook page to catch the show as well. Um, we'll have Again, we'll have updates on Twitter for our year-end stories and any other games that are happening this week at SportsCCT. I'm also on Twitter at, at Steve underscore Derderian. That's D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. And I'm at Matt Goisman, M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. You can also download this episode and previous episodes through your Google or podcast, uh, Apple apps, uh, however you need to get it. And we will see you all. In the new year, I think. Yeah. Been a great 2018. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Be safe out there.